بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ چنائی از دا ایٹینتھ آف آگسٹ ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری اینڈ ٹو اسپینڈ ون لاسٹ So the last thing I mentioned was a very interesting verse where Allah the Almighty and Glorious He calls Subhanakallahumma as a dua. So Subhanakallahumma is famously said at the beginning of every salah. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika wa tabala qasmuka wa ta'ala jadduka wa la ilaha ghairak. And the Prophet said these are the most beloved words to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the Quran says in Surah Yunus alayhi salatu wasalam, Surah 10 verse 10, Da'awahum fiha subhanakallahumma. Their dua, their in, will be subhanakallahumma. So if you translate subhanakallahumma, it literally uh, indicates glorified and free from all imperfection. Are you, O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That's not a dua. That's a zikr. So why is Allah the Almighty and Glorious called it a dua? A da'wah. Because the report says that in paradise, when a person wishes for anything in his heart, he will simply say, Subhanakallahumma. Then the angels, alayhi salatu wa salam, will instantly present what they wished before them. Subhanallah. This is in Ibn Jarir, Ibn Al-Mundir, Qurtubi, Ruh Al-Ma'ani, Ma'rif Al-Quran. So, inshallah, when we eventually reach the true abode, this is how our needs will be fulfilled. We will simply desire it in our hearts. But we will spontaneously say, Subhanakallahumma. And Mufti Shafi, Rahmatullah, they said in Ma'rif Al-Quran, this phrase will act as a password or access code. For the residents of paradise through which they articulate their wish we can also thus call this zikr a dua so lord again how interesting famous vikrs and yet they are actually supplications and what's fascinating sayyidina umar he loved to start the salat with that zikr this is why most muslims or a large percentage they start their salat with subhanakallah it's actually a dua look how beautiful you're actually asking Allah Ta'ala to fulfill your needs you're emulating the people of paradise but of course there's other duas that are also mentioned in the sunnah we should not find this strange in the least in reality why? because our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam said that almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said a servant of mine who remains glorifying me, being busy glorifying me all the time, so much so that he finds no time even to ask what was to be asked, then I, subhanahu wa ta'ala, shall give him the best of what is asked by all those who ask. That is, take care of what he needs to be done without his even asking for it. Subhanallah. This is recorded in Tabarani. Al-Marif Al-Quran, volume 4, page 525 of the English translation. So there's many ways to get your du'as answered. 
One of the ways is simply to make dua. Obviously, he made dua, and inshallah, Allah Taala will answer that dua. But Allah Taala has given you a very special way. He's saying, Subhanahu wa Taala, if you are so engrossed in my dhikr, you are so engrossed in my remembrance, and you don't even get time to ask, meaning you truly are engrossed. I will give you the best of what those who ask for. I think about that. We don't even know what we're asking for sometimes. You have to ask a learned person because don't you make this dua? Then you learn, I didn't know, nobody told me. You do not have to worry about that. Allah Ta'ala holds you in such affection that He will give you the best of what people ask for. And Allah Ta'ala will give it to you without you even asking for it. So how is this linked to the previous report? Because you're doing dhikr. 24-7. What do we know about paradise? Every Friday in paradise, our Lord will graciously bestow upon us gifts that we have never even comprehended. Now think about that. Paradise goes on forever. There's no end to paradise. So it's no point saying how many Fridays are you talking? Eternal Fridays. The hadith says Allah Ta'ala will always give you a new gift. Always. So logically you would think it's going to go a cycle. You'll eventually get a gift that you got, you know, a trillion years ago. No. Allah Ta'ala will always give you a new gift as a as part of His grace on Friday. And as is well known, we will for an eternity be glorifying and praising our Lord in that ultimate abode of peace. Because Jabr radiyallahu relates that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, yulhamuna tasbiha walhamda kamatul hamuna nafs. They would glorify and praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as easily as you breathe. In Sayyid Muslim. So now this is important. The hadith says you'll be doing dhikr 24-7. So your mind starts thinking, I thought it was a place of enjoyment. <laughs> So the response is, you made the classic mistake. You brought dunya into paradise. <laughs> Enjoyment has worldly connotations. So when you're saying 24-7 zikr, your mind's thinking, well, that zikr is, you know, that's for the akhirat. I want to enjoy myself now in paradise. So the response is, you will be doing zikr continuously. The Prophet explains something. You will do it as easily as you breathe. Now, why is that very interesting? Breathing is something we all do, but we don't even think about it. It doesn't get in the way. Like now I'm doing a talk. Am I actually thinking, right, I need to get enough oxygen in my lungs to give you the address? It's automatic. The only time it goes off sync, if you have a panic attack, and we know there's exceptions. Whatever the case, breathing doesn't get in the way. Even when you go to the gym, you know, you should start breathing more because your body needs more oxygen. So in paradise, wicked will be like that. It's not going to get in the way. Think about that. You'll be enjoying everything you know, of paradise, what it can offer. And you'll be doing wicked of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now, in the world, Allah has taught us that He's given certain blessings on autopilot. And breathing is like that. But another very, another very important thing to reflect upon, is that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, what did he say? 
whoever loves something, he mentions it much. So this is in Abu Nu'im al-Hilya, Sayyid Hadith. Now how is that linked? When you're in paradise, you will be eternally grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Your love for him will have increased even more so. If I can say that. So, what did the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa say? When you love something, you will mention it much. So, even logically, shouldn't you be doing the dhikr of Allah ta'ala 24-7 in paradise? So, even from that perspective, the scholars say, there's their clarification. In another report, in Bukhari and Muslim, Abu Huraira radiyallahu alayhi wa beloved messenger said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, قُلُوبُهُمْ قَلْبٌ وَاحِدٌ يُسَبِّحُونَ اللَّهَ بُكْلَةً وَعَشِيَةً Their hearts would be like one heart, glorifying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala morning and evening. So what's interesting, there is no hatred in paradise. There is no envy in paradise. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, your hearts would be like one heart. You'll be like brotherhood and sisterhood as they say. And you'll be remembering Allah Ta'ala morning and evening. So now this poses another question. Is there evening in paradise? <laughs> so obviously in the world we have night. It's night now. So the scholars say there's no evening. <laughs> Why? Because there's so much noor in paradise. There's no place for dark. <laughs> so here it is metaphorical. It means that in the worldly sense you're doing 24-7. But the Prophet was using words so he could understand what he, what he was getting across for the Lord. Also, half is Ibn Hajar Asqalai and half is Allah. They commented upon this hadith. They said, Their hearts have been illuminated by their knowledge of their Lord and have become filled with His love. Whoever loves something mentions it frequently. This is in Fatt al-Bari 6-326, Sharh al-Sunnah 15-213. So now this is interesting. In Ma'rif al-Qur'an, Mufti Shafi rahmatullah he quotes an authority. And he said that the person, the righteous person who enters paradise, Allah Ta'ala will give him the knowledge of a mujtahid. <laughs> then he said that if a saintly person enters paradise, Allah Ta'ala gives them the knowledge of a prophet. When the Prophet enters paradise, they are given the knowledge of Rasulullah. When Rasulullah enters, he's given a unique gift. So this is actually a report from one of the righteous uh, forebears. So what's interesting about that? All of us, minimum, will be mujtahids. <laughs> Meaning you're an absolute scholar. Why? Because you've been given the qualities of the Prophet, but this is different in terms of your rank. So look how interesting, a saintly soul, Allah Ta'ala gives them the knowledge of a prophet in paradise. So how can they not be doing zikr 24-7? What did the Prophet say? My eyes sleep, but my heart doesn't. So even when he slept, he was doing zikr. So this is in the world. Why? Because he's a man of paradise, obviously. So note, the scholars point out, all of this is explained in these reports. Hafiz ibn Taymiyyah, he also said, Rahmatullah, in Majmu Fatawa 4-330, in the hereafter, this will also become part of the delight that the dwellers of paradise will enjoy, like eating, drinking, and having sexual intercourse with one's spouse. 
So Ibn Taymiyyah said, it's actually one of the greatest delights that you're doing dhikr. Now what's strange about that? Most of us don't taste the sweetness of dhikr in the world. We do it for the, you know, for reward, to secure the forgiveness of our sins. But be honest, do we do it because we love to do it? And the response, you've got to be brutally honest. You take the rewards away, the sins being forgiven away, most of the zikr will stop. But in paradise, Ibn Taymiyyah said, it's such a beautiful blessing because you will love to do zikr. It's not a burden upon you, even though it's automatic, like you're breathing. What would you expect from the tongue of Muhammad? So what do I mean by that? Our beloved messenger said, the residents of paradise will have the age of Jesus Christ, 33 years, and the tongue of Muhammad. <laughs> so the Prophet said, you will be at the peak of your, you know, your maturity, and you will never decline. 33 is mentioned, and this is the peak, according to the hadith of the Prophet and you love the tongue of Muhammad. So what do you expect? You're not going to do dhikr. <laughs> Somebody goes, was Sulullah, was he always doing dhikr, even in his sleep? Even when he was talking, he was doing dhikr in his heart. That is how you will be in paradise with your tongue. You'll be remembering Allah so much. Not, like I mentioned, you know, his eyes slept, but his heart did not. Also, <coughs> the blessed angels, which I mentioned yesterday, they will be serving us. This is an honor for us. They are all around us, both in this world and the next. More often than not, we are oblivious to their presence. <coughs> so for instance, our beloved messenger mentions that there is an angel at every plant that sprouts. <laughs> there is an angel at every plant that sprouts. This is in Deilami, it is Muslim al-Firdos. Now think about that. If you watch that time lapse, you actually see the opening of a, of a rose. And it's so beautiful. <laughs> Even when they speed the camera. And then you ask, what's happening with Mother Nature? MashaAllah, like Mother Nature. We said, no, it's not Mother Nature. It's an angel. <laughs> Every time a plant sprouts, the Prophet said, there's an angel in charge of that. Now, what's beautiful about that? What scent do plants give? An incredible scent. Where's that scent coming from? They're still oblivious. Good Mother Nature, right? You say, well, if it's coming from an angel, you would expect a beautiful smell. <clears throat> if it comes from a shayateen, you expect an unpleasant smell. The Prophet when he came back from paradise on the miraculous night journey, the first drop of sweat that came off his blessed head, which touched the ground, it turned into a rose. <laughs> And the Prophet said, if you want to, sorry, one of the companions said, if you want to smell the scent of Rasulullah, smell the scent of a red rose. <laughs> now, how interesting is that? <laughs> Why? Because a rose is opened by an angel. <laughs> the scent comes from an angel. <laughs> Why is Rasulullah's blessed sweat, sallallahu alayhi wasallam? Why is the red rose, the scent of a red rose, the scent of his blessed sweat? Because he is from also, he's taken from the angelic realm. He's took the faith from the angelic realm. He's, a, he's between the humans and the angels. And again, note the status of the Prophet. 
So now let's link this to paradise. Those from the majestic soil of paradise whose texture is a pleasing golden color of saffron with an intense smell of musk and nourished by the unimaginable rivers of paradise. They would sprout and grow unimaginable, brilliantly fragranced plants which would ultimately sprout and open at the hands of no other than the sinless angels. As our loving Lord says in his holy book in Surah Al-Waqi'ah, Surah 56, verse 89, فَرَوْحٌ وَرَيْحَانٌ وَجَنَّةُ النَّعِيمٌ Intense scent and sweet-smelling plants in the garden of bliss. <laughs> Intense scent and sweet-smelling plants in the garden of bliss. So if in the world you get this extraordinary scent from a rose, what about what the nourishment is receiving in Jannah before it gets to the angel? So Allah just simply gives you a hint. Intense scents and sweet smelling plants in the garden of bliss. Meaning even this is beyond your comprehension. And how much scent does paradise exude? If it wasn't a hadith, you think you're making it up? The Prophet said, paradise can be smelled from a distance of 500, year, 500 years journey. Now, I don't understand that. What does that mean? If somebody says to you, the scent is overpowering in this world, he says that. His scent was overpowering. What do we take from that? We take from that is that he was quite close to him, but he had so much atalan that we smelled it from a certain distance. Does your mind start thinking of years? Right? How does that? What, what are you talking about? It was a year's journey from him, I smelt his scent. What are you on about? What are you, what are you actually talking about? If a person <laughs> walks for a year, just walks, what distance has he covered? And he stops after the year, and you put some atar on, he smells it. Is that, what is this atar you've got on? Paradise can be smelled from 500 years journey. 500 years. A person goes, could you explain that somewhat? Yeah, the plants. Then he goes, I don't get you. You know, plants, roses, violets, lilies. He goes, uh, then you got to play by the tape. If you get such beautiful scent in this world because of an angel opening up the plant, that's with the nourishment of this whole world, then what's going to happen in paradise? This is why before you enter paradise, you have to become twerked. There's actually a two rivers or uh, outside of paradise. One you bathe in and one you drink. And the hadith from Ali radiallahu said in Qurtubi in his tafsir that the one you drink takes away all inward uh, failings. Jealousy, hatred, problems, anger. It all goes with that drink. And the bathing on the outside gets rid of any outward failings. You will never fall ill again. You will never have any impurity. That's your twerking before you enter paradise. And you enter paradise as the height of Adam. You know, people, you know, when you think of, you know, we just talk about paradise. Yeah, he walks in. Who walks in? 
right? He goes, yeah, you know, brothers, you know, you enter paradise. How do they walk in with sawadamis? Right? You don't even think. He goes, isn't he the heart of Adam? Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. What else is it different about him? He goes, well, you tell me. Hasn't he had two baths? Has he had a drink? Hasn't he been twerked? Hasn't he got the tongue of Muhammad? Hasn't he got the, the age of Isa? Hasn't he got the heart of Yaqub? Hasn't he, why have you got all these? Because you have to enter an abode where a human being in his worldly sense, he will die. He can't take the majesty of paradise. Allah Ta'ala has to create you anew somewhat. You're still a human being. But you are now a man of paradise. And just to add to finish, this is why it's so interesting to talk about Adam because he came backwards. <laughs> he was in paradise. He came to the world. So what actually happened there? Did he actually, the scholars say, he retained everything. He was still his height. But the Prophet said that ever since Adam, the stature of humans have been diminishing. <laughs> why? Because the world starts taking its toll. So the the, the angelic attributes are taken away from the human being. So note again, Adam came and he remained the same. And what's interesting, when he was uh, coming to the end of his blessed life, he lived a thousand years. On his deathbed, he said to his family, I yearn for the fruits of paradise. Look how strange that is. If somebody goes, hazard a guess. What did our illustrious grandfather yearn for after a thousand years separation from paradise? Now be honest. This is what I'd say. His wife. Or they obviously had a wife. But maybe the, the hoodies. No. Is it a drink? No. You know, think about which person would say fruit. What does that tell you about paradise? After a thousand years, he was missing the fruit. Think about that in Imam Ahmad's Musnad. So again, this is what's waiting for us, inshallah, if we do what's correct and right. And of course, with the grace and mercy of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We thus earnestly beg our loving Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala to graciously allow us to return back once more to our true, glorious and most blessed abode. I mean, because that is our home. Were we there? <laughs> That's a good question. Adam was there. Our father. We, most scholars say we were there because we were in his back. So literally we were in paradise. Allah Ta'ala then took us all out on the plain of Alafat. And that's where we took the pledge to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. But that's our home. And the amazing thing is, the human being can adapt to its surroundings very quickly. Even though we're literally in the toilet, we've adapted. Think about it. I'm not saying, you know, I'm just compare the world to paradise. It's a toilet. And that's being generous to it. We've acclimatized to the toilet. Think about that. You know, we should be running out of the toilet. It stinks. Can't wait to get out. Fulfill me need. Go. But we become institutionalized. You know, astaghfirullah. The Prophet said, the world is the prison for the believer. It is paradise for the unbeliever. In Sayyid Muslim. So when you're in prison, do you want to stay in prison? Of course not. You're counting down the days. It's kafir for the unbeliever. So one of the Hanafi sheikhs said, this is why Allah Ta'ala is helping the unbelievers. Why? Because we're thieves. What, what did he mean by that? What he meant was, we've made the world paradise. 
So we become thieves. It's the kuffar's paradise. So who will Allah Ta'ala help? The one who's theft, who's committed the theft, or the one who's the thief? Uh, the thief or the one who's been robbed. He's going to help the one who's been robbed. So the shaykh, or this is one another reason why Allah Ta'ala is helping the unbelievers, because we're thieves. So note again the impact. And we ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala to give us the understanding. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? Subhanallah <laughs> <laughs>